0: Radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music.
1: All right, we're here. What's up, T? Yo, what up? What up, dog? I hear it's like, is this, uh, Mike, is this uh, Mannheim Steamroller? No, this is actually August Burns Red. <sighs> that was my second. That would have been my second choice for who this was <laughs> on the thing. Good, good choice.
2: I want to welcome back Tommy Elwell. Are we calling him around mm-hmm. here? T, or the Sasquatch.
1: I didn't have a... Um, bobblehead but I did happen to have a Sasquatch character and I wish you could zoom in and I know you can't you can't really This guy looks like it. Dave bought it for me he was out of town and he saw this this Sasquatch actually Uncanny. has my face and hey, I'm, I'm not even kidding and like, I don't I, get any real royalties or nothing off of it
2: Mike you know I don't know if you can do this Mike in a second grab the Sasquatch and kind of pull him towards the camera I would like you, you to see him You it. really have to see <clears> him
1: <throat> Dave can I also Sure. you know I, I appreciate you bringing me back for another another week um, yeah, get the close up, and then you can obviously see what I look like because of my mug. It's pretty similar, and I'm just a share hairier than he is. Just I'm Italian by descent. The, um, you know, Dave, there were some, there were, <laughs> there were reviewed, there were review. Hello, you're hey, on. Am I am I on? Yeah, you're on. Okay, there were um, some, you know, I looked it up. I, you know, I watched the show afterwards. I was like, it, it looked all right. Um, so I went and checked out some reviews. So I actually pulled some reviews. Um, of our, uh, of my first time, my inaugural time here. And I just wanted to share them with you guys. I wanted to say one, thank you for, you know, for, for, for reaching out, but the, um, just, a, I pulled up like three of them. So one was, um, you know, uh, he has a head and a mouth. So I guess that will work. So I thought that was a pretty, pretty good review. That wasn't bad. You know, um, the so second review.
2: Huh? So you're basically able to stay alive.
1: Yeah. Um, or uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, the other one, it was actually just quote unquote, it was big. And I guess you know that—that's you know whatever. Um, then uh, this may be the biggest testament. I think I want to thank uh, Joey Rizzullo out of in uh, New Jersey, for this one. He said, "I like the skinnier Metro guy better." <laughs> um, but yeah, you got me, so suck it. And actually, my, I say the same thing to my wife. So, just saying.
2: I, you know, man, I—that's I, I, that's some pretty good reviews. What you my know? Bad. Yeah, it, usually it takes a little time before uh, reviews start kicking in. But you guys see here, um, I've got Tommy Elwell. We'd like to call him Tommy Elwell the mm-hmm. Third, for no apparent reason. Nope. Just you know, he's here, he's back, and uh, man, let me tell you something. Man. We we rocked the show last week. It was amazing. It was awesome. Our guests were uh, were crazy. We were off the cuff, and today Tommy mm. it's going to be no different, man. It's um. You know, it, it, we we pride ourselves here at Auto Deal Live, as our producers know, and as you, the listeners, we pride ourselves in stacking the deck. We have an all-star, jam-packed, overflowing, mm-hmm. like coming out of the top, sides, just like, you know, breaking the seams kind of show today. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we could add anybody else on the show.
1: It wouldn't fit. You could w- try. It wouldn't, they wouldn't fit.
2: They wouldn't fit. Nope. Yeah, it, it wouldn't fit. And so we have... Today, we, the show is so, listen to this, I'm not just saying, the show is so packed today in general that there are two names. And by the way, one name is not even a name. Like the producer, uh, not you, but uh, uh, one of our other producers, Mike, um, Mike, uh, okay, sorry, Mike distracted me. Mikey Okendo told me, when I told him the name, you know, he's like, that's too long. And so the name of this first two panels in the first half of the show, Tommy. And we're going to bring them on the next up right here. We're going to jump right into it. The, 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 na- the name of this, because, you know, this is a great name, right? Three Veterans and Fresh Faces of Sales. That, now, what kind of name is that? Three Veterans, mm-hmm. like Three Men and a Baby. You know what I'm saying? That kind of, like we we're going for that kind of deal. Yes. It's, not, it's not really a good name, is it?
1: No, but I, um, it makes me think of Tom Selleck and Steve Gutenberg. And I tell you, Steve Gutenberg, I don't know if you're watching, because I know <laughs> I've heard.
2: That he watches yeah, all yeah, you
1: don't have much you have a lot of free time i want you to get a hold of us I, we got auto entertainment network we've yeah. started yeah. i think we have something for you yes just saying just going to put that out there but i ahead.
2: agree i agree the next up without further ado we've got two of the best automotive trainers that are in the u.s today and uh, these two gentlemen um, were responsible jonathan dawson and alan dickey jonathan you're responsible for um kind of bringing this crew together and you know you're welcome for such a great title that uh, I came up with. Even though I got besmirched by everybody here on the on the crew, three veterans, which now I know it's two because Laura Laura couldn't make it here at the last minute. But three veterans and fresh faces of sales. This was your yeah. this was your baby. I love it. Um, and when we talked about this a while back, and I'm glad we had a chance to put this together. I love both of you guys. Your your material is great, and you guys are you guys are both phenomenal, but different. And I want and i and i and so I'm gonna kind of just dump this. Right out and let you guys um, get going, Tommy. I know you haven't had a chance to talk to these guys yet, uh, both of them. I met Jonathan several hey times. Yeah. Actually, you were when you were in when in Tampa the digital dealer. You were at the Columbia, right? I was. Yeah, Jonathan was there. He and his wife. So you got a chance to meet him. John, I'm sure. To see you again. And um, I'm gonna jump right in, Alan. You know. Because, we're, you know, this digital dealers coming up, CBT is coming up, you know, NADA is coming up. It's the, it's the you know, the, the, the spring shows and so forth. It's a new year. Everybody wants to do something different. They want to stop sucking, and they want to do better, right? So one of the ways they do this is they start looking at their sales force, all right? And it's a great time for trainers because, you know, it's, it's a time where dealers are looking to change. And, um, you know, I want to ask you, Alan, first, how do dealers, and this may be a broad question, how do they identify winning salespeople for the organizations? That's a question that, uh, that's all over right now. So
3: if you're a dealer, ask, am I making these choices because my people are demanding it, or am I making these choices because my manager is? Hmm. Um, because people have to execute it. So that would be a simple thing a dealer can do. And if you do a few more things, obviously there's more to it than that, but you can start to see the, the buy-in that you're look, looking for.
1: Right, that's good. And then, Alan, piggybacking off of that, how can a dealership identify a trainer that's, um, I guess, effective or, or a good fit for that particular store? Well,
3: you know what? To identify a trainer that's going to be effective for your store, there's a number of things to pay attention to, really. Um, number one, you know, I, I do believe, as Jonathan alluded to, it's important to sort of find a marriage there. You know, uh, there's opportunities where you can expose your teams today. I mean, just the technology alone, Skype meetings, social media, uh, things of that nature, to see if they resonate with the message that's being provided. Um, the other thing, too, is, you know, it's that old adage, right? You, you can't lead until you've served. I think a lot of effective trainers will have a background where they've actually performed the exact techniques and, and uh, strategies that they're implementing with a team. I mean, I personally know that you can share an effective technique or strategy with a group of people. It will resonate them uh, or with them. They'll be excited about implementing it. But if you're able to, on-demand, perform that for that team while on-site and in that store – you know, the buy-in and the believability of its effectiveness just goes through the roof. So uh, one of the things that I would pay attention to is just that, see a guy who can walk the walk and talk the talk.
2: Exactly. Jonathan, you want to weigh in on that too?
3: Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, uh, obviously those who do follow Alan and myself, in fact, part of the reason why I was so excited to try to put a panel like this together with you, David, was because I look across the spectrum of sales trainers and how many are, have gone into the area of motivational speaker uh, and public stage speaker, but maybe are not actually having to do the things that your people that you're trying to train uh, have to do every day. If you put into Google, you know, if you put Cellcology Live into Google, you'll find, you know, tons of videos of me live with customers. I'm talking recent videos of me live with customers, asking for referrals, doing walkarounds, closing a deal. And because I still live and practice and breathe this stuff, I still sell cars, there's a type of relevance that when I'm talking to a sales team, they immediately, authentically sense. And I think that would be a a thing that I see in Alan. I mean, you can watch any of Alan's videos. You can see Velco. Velco's in the field. Noel still sells cars full time. Well, he'll tell you his own story when he comes up. But Noel, what a wonderful story of a guy who's now on a mission to coach salespeople and show them how to duplicate his process. I look at all these new faces of trainers, and I'm just so impressed with how hands-on they are in executing what they talk about. It's not 30 years ago, I used to sell cars, and here's what I did 30 years ago. It's three minutes ago, I was with a client, and here's what I did. And that, to me, is so critical if you're looking at a training program going forward.
2: And let me ask this, I mean, because, you know, we talk, we're talking a lot about, you know, uh, training in general, and sometimes I think that when a dealer hears training, or anyone in the sales hears training, they a lot of times they think of someone who's a new hire or somebody who you know that that that, that you know that's early on in their career and they need training and it's, it's almost like uh, you know dave anderson has this uh this in general this red belt uh training i don't know if you know the, the concept behind that but i love it because he talks about uh from a martial artist standpoint somebody that becomes a black belt typically that's the last day they train so his, yeah. his whole concept is you worked your whole life to get here and then when you when you get there you stop <laughs> you know it's it, and so with that being said you know i want to ask you uh, uh jonathan you know veterans or someone that's at the top of their game someone that thinks hey i've been trained i've you know i'm I, I i went through training you know do they stop i mean how do you how do you get through to that person because i mean can the can the good become better you know what's your theory on that because there's a lot of people listening right now that that maybe think hey you know what i've I've gone through training
3: yeah yeah, I think that's a wonderful again a question that we saw for so many dealers. My approach when working with a veteran person or a veteran crew. Is to realize that the objectives of a veteran as they spend more time in the business is really the quality of their life and the quality of their business, not just learning the basics or the fundamentals of blocking and tackling, which they probably all need brushing up on continuously. Mm-hmm. But really, when I talk to a veteran salesperson, let me give you an example. When I was talking to Linda Radu, Linda Radu was already in her 20 to 30-car-a-month average when I first met her. She was already what you would call a top performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, her peak month was 48 cars in a month. That is somebody you would say doesn't need training. When Linda met me and saw what I teach because I specialize in efficiency training for top performers, I showed her how she could exponentially grow her traffic using Google and using reviews. She's now the number one rated salesperson according to Dealer in the entire world with Hmm. personal reviews uh, of totaling of over 550 personal reviews. She didn't have that when I met her and she also didn't know how to use reviews to send traffic to her at a higher quality traffic. All she wanted was to sell as many cars and work less or sell as many cars and have less stress. Now her personal best is 59 and a half and she regularly okay. sells in the 50s. So here's a person added 20 units to their average. Why efficiency? Top performers, they don't want to be told, you know, go greet a customer and all that. What they want to be told is how can you be more efficient with your day, have less stress, and even if all we did was kept you at a 25 or 30 car level, all we did that, but we made it a higher quality experience for you and the customer. Work by repeat, referral, and self-generation. That's what the top performers want to hear. They don't want to hear, you got to go do this, you got to go do this. They want to hear, let me improve the quality of your life, of your
1: business. And that resonates with the veteran. Hmm. Very good. It does. It resonated with me. <laughs> uh, Thanks. That was, that was solid. Let me ask you this, Alan. Um, in terms of uh, turnover, salesperson turnover, we see it in this industry here on our side of the, of the coin as well. Um, why do you believe um, turnover in dealerships is as is, is high as it is?
3: Uh, there's one simple reason, the same reason plants die or people, for that matter, if you don't feed them. Mm. The, the people aren't being fed. We're bringing individuals into a dealership environment. We're sticking them into a corner and giving them this archaic instruction of uh, figure it out. Hey, that's how I started my career. There's your desk. Go sell a car. Instruction like this. So, you know, one of the important things is, I mean, gosh, look at the simple things like plants and people. When you feed them and and provide them with the right nutrients, if you will, everyone can grow strong and flourish. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. You know, discipline actions taken on a consistent basis will guarantee results. If you've got management and leadership inside your organization that is not taking a disciplined set of actions on a consistent basis to deliver those nutrients, that information, that teaching um, to your salespeople, they're going to die. And so, Usually the root of this problem is uh, one of two things. Either one, um, you don't have you know, leadership that's capable to do it, or an even worse problem, you have leadership that doesn't feel that it's necessary, or they feel that what they have to offer is enough. One of the biggest ways we can guarantee growth and, and success and, and continued success in our lives as organizations is through humility. I mean, uh, one of the biggest things, alluding to what you just spoke to with Jonathan, I mean, I have a saying, if you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're rotting, right? So right. as long as we stay in this humble mode, even as top elite performers, always suggesting or believing that we could, you know, take new instruction and pick up new tools and advice from it and remain humble, then we could go anywhere. But as far as the turnover in dealerships, you got to feed the kids, feed the people, you know?
2: Very good point. You know, um, a, a quote that I, I don't remember who 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 said it. Maybe we can throw it up on the screen if we find it. But I, when you were talking about plants, somebody uh, uh, quoted. You know, you don't say to a plant, you don't shout to a plant, grow. You know, and uh, that's what came Correct. to my mind. You know, when you when you when you were talking about that, Alan, we got a, a few minutes here, and I, Jonathan, I want to ask you. Um, you know. Uh, Okay, the dealership that has training, the dealership that's implemented training, the dealership that believes in training. You know, a lot of times, you know, again, um, it, because you know, sometimes dealers, hey, we're pre- you're preaching to the choir. I get it. I, I believe it. I buy into it. But I'm already doing this. And um, when is when is when is it too much? You know, I mean, how much is too much? Uh, that's a, I know that's a tough question. <laughs> so,
3: so let's try this. So one analogy I like to give some of the dealers is say this. You know. Um, I love Coldstone Creamery. Mm-hmm. Okay? Me too.
1: Who doesn't? Yes.
3: Um, if I was to take my family to Coldstone Creamery, I might say, My favorite is Rocky Road. I'm oh. gonna order Rocky Road. I want everybody to have Rocky Road. Right. But my daughter might say I want the bubblegum cotton candy. And my wife might say I want the, you know, sweet cream, vanilla. The reality is If everybody gets to get the flavor they want, they're going to have a great experience with Cold Stone Creamery. Mm -hmm. Now, how does that translate to the training? You know, so often what we do is we say, well, we we subscribe to this training package, and that's great. But if I asked you to look at, honestly, the impact and influence of that trainer over your entire organization, if you get 30%, 30% buy-in and retention, you're a rock star. Mm -hmm. I mean, any brand, you pick any brand of vehicle or any brand of anything, if they get 30% market penetration and loyalty, that's rock star status for any brand. So a lot of dealers, what they do is they say, well, we use X company for our training. Even if it's me, they might say, well, we use John Dawson. I would never want one of my dealers to ever turn away another trainer simply because they already have training. That would be a mistake because even if I'm doing my best, I got 30% brand loyalty within your dealership. I got a bunch of other people that dabble in it. Um, One of my clients says you got vacationers, you got students, and you got prisoners in any training. You know and so the reality is i would say to the dealer who says i already have training are you getting roi for your money when you invest in a training company a does a pay for itself if a pays for itself adding b does not cost you anything if b pays for itself yeah. if you happen to have a third of your team doing this as long as all philosophical training points are on point as long as i resonate with your culture and your vision and you, you think trainer B resonates with your culture and vision. If I'm getting you an ROI, but I'm only getting 30% saturation, why would you stop with me? That doesn't make sense. you got two-thirds of your team that's still thirsty. Feed them. As Alan said, feed them. Mm-hmm. That's why I love putting this panel together. You know, most trainers, the last thing they want to do is be on a show like this with four or five other trainers. Mm-hmm. I want like this show because I know I'm not arrogant. I'm not the only solution in the marketplace, and I might not be the right solution for any one particular dealer. Mm-hmm. But people... Alan are brilliant. People like Velko are brilliant. People like Noel are brilliant. Anthony Allegone is a brilliant mind. Let them influence your people. Let let your people grow. And so I would say, don't be. We have a trainer. Be limited by how much more can we grow.
2: Well said. And and I'm gonna give you guys. We got uh, two minutes here. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna let you go ahead, Jonathan, and and tell a dealer that's listening. You know how they can reach you. And then Alan will let you do the same and give you guys both an opportunity to uh, give closing remarks here. And I want to thank you guys, first of all, Jonathan, for putting it together. Um, I'm, I'm excited to talk to the next three individuals. i uh, never had the privilege privilege of doing so. So um, go ahead and give us your closing remarks, um, and we'll go yeah, for
3: So for a dealer who maybe doesn't know me, I'm Jonathan. I teach sellcology, which is selling uh, through psychology. I teach sales and marketing strategies to help salespeople create raving fan customers, by teaching them how to out-experience the competition. That's my whole uh, proposition. I want to teach people to be empowered professionals. The best way to get a hold of me is, of course, my cell phone is the most direct way, which I'll give you right now, and that's simply 612-387-7776. There's a lot of 7s there. Let me give it to you again. 612-387-7776. I'm at Cellcology. If you want to find me, just go to Google and type in S-E-L-L. C H O L O G Y. Throw that into Google, you'll find psychology branding, psychology referrals, psychology marketing, psychology. I mean, you'll find everything you need to know. Um, Reach out to me, Google me, Uh, learn about me. If I resonate with your heart and passion and vision for your dealership, I'd be I'd be honored to be able to help you uh, see your vision come come to pass. I'm going to turn it over to my good friend Alan. Alan, take it away, brother. Uh, hey, thanks for having us on again, guys. And again, thank you, Jonathan, for putting this panel together. Um, if anybody is interested in reaching out and connecting with me, um, my whole deal is a selling systems, attitude, conviction, and energy. I believe if you have those three things in place, you can go anywhere. And that's exactly what I teach. You know, a series of principle-based fundamentals that are timeless and effective with all sections of your sales team. You can find me directly on my website at www.allandickey.com. A lot of information and incredible content is there for you, uh, as well as social media, Facebook, YouTube. And you can also find an incredible program that I've just made available at uh, www.8.com sellingsystems.com. We've got a lot of incredible stuff going on. We're ushering into 2016, looking to make a lot of noise in the marketplace and have sales representatives paying more taxes. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is a good problem to have. Gentlemen, thank you so much for, for being with us. I uh, Again, stick around and uh, and uh, listen to the panel that you put together, Jonathan. So uh, thank you, guys. Look forward to talking to you very soon.
3: Yeah, thanks thank so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy. See, See you guys. guys. Bye. Thanks,
1: fellas. Bye.
2: That's awesome, man. You know, As a salesperson, that kind of stuff fires me up. I know Arnold's probably drunk right now because we've seen we said training about 25, 30 times. Listen, jump on Twitter, hashtag AutoDealerLive. Make sure you tweet. Um, tweet, let's get it, let's blow it up. And um, don't go anywhere. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit of what's coming up. Uh, we've got on the next up, we've got panel two, fresh faces, Anthony Allegano, uh, Noel Walsh. And I'm not going to mess up Velco's last name. Um, I'm gonna say that's Tuchiev. Tuchev. I,
1: I don't know if I'm right.
2: Uh, you know what? You might be. And you, you, better than Velko Tuchev. That's a cool name. That's yeah, a cool I name. Got it. It's a cool name. So, uh, but then down down the road, Tommy, um, pa- we've got a special panel coming up. The second half of the show, we're gonna debate the elimination of the box. We're gonna talk about does the F and I box have a place in today's auto dealership? Uh, is there a hybrid? Is it gonna? Is is, is a virtual deal? What's going on? Uh, we have got Jim Deluca. Candice Crane, Frank Lopes, and listen—we've added a couple of people that have found out about the topic that just really, honestly can't stay out of the box. Here, we've got Shaka Dyson, and we've got Tony D that are going to join too. So we have—we have a pretty heated discussion. I think there's going to be multiple vantage points. That's going to come up on the second half of the show, and you don't do not want to miss that panel. So the next up, we'll be back with panel two in just a couple of minutes. Jason Rice from LotPop, and let me tell you what we do to help dealerships increase used car sales 20 to 30% in gross and volume. Three areas we focus on, trend reports, we look at weekly trends that no one else is trending to make adjustments on our inventory. Two, is we do weekly review calls to review those trends, but also we dig through every car that needs to be price adjusted to increase the searches. And three, we do a virtual lot walk, make sure every car is standing tall in line, and make sure we don't have bad photos like these. Check out our website, lotpop.com, our blog at
4: AutomotiveRevolution.com and our weekly video tips at increasedturn.com. Thanks. Hello, I'm Alan Ram, President and Founder of Alan Ram's Proactive Training Solutions. Let's face it, good managers are defined not by what they do when they have a showroom full of customers, but more by what they do when there are no customers in the showroom. In 2015, whether you like it or not, the car business is all about conversion of opportunities and driving traffic. All those great closers and desk people are not doing you a whole lot of good if your dealership is not converting effectively on the telephone and internet. As an owner or dealer, when you see five salespeople standing by the front door doing nothing, don't kid yourself, your dealership is not being effectively managed. Management by Fire is a two and a half day intensive course conducted entirely by me that teaches managers how to effectively manage in today's automotive industry. Simple processes for driving high-quality traffic. For more information on upcoming events, please call my team at 866-996-4665. Once again, 866-996-4665. Thank you.
2: it's no secret that in this economy, cash is king. From the smallest independent lots to the largest franchise dealerships, our businesses are driven by available capital. Having more access to our back-end reserves can be a game-changer. Until now, a dealer who wrote, for example, a million dollars in premiums their first year, because of the way contracts earn out, would have access to about $70,000 after the first year, about $250,000 the second year. The dealer can see his reserves increase by around a million dollars per year, but can only tap in to a small percentage of that number. That is starting to change. With accelerated profit accessibility, the new reinsurance model makes a huge leap in helping dealers with their biggest reinsurance frustration, limited access and poor investment income on reserve what could that mean for you well if your loss ratio is estimated at 40 percent after the first year under the new reinsurance model you could access six hundred thousand dollars instead of seventy thousand dollars after the second year it could be 1.2 million instead of a quarter million dollars times are changing even for reinsurance it may be time to take a closer look at your dealer-owned reinsurance company Go to dealeree.com or call Dealerre today at 804 824 9533. Thank you. Max Profit Selling, an easy to follow, buyer friendly sales process that will give you the tools, skills, and confidence to consistently sell premium vehicles to delighted buyers.
5: To learn more about selling the way your customers prefer to buy, please visit nopressureselling.com or call 1-800-515-0034.
2: what up we're back we're back what's up t
1: i didn't get a chance to rest that much right? no no In between the break i guess rest you gentlemen got to rest you is that what we're listening to who is this again is this um, um august burns red oh it's august burns red yes Still don't know who they are.
2: continuing on you ready man fresh faces yes. panel two boom the next
1: up boom
2: I'm going to let you pronounce the Velko's last name. I'm going to try. You, you're going to do it because I'm going to see if you got it right or not. Ready? We got Anthony Alagona, Noel Walsh, and Velko Tuchiv. Are we good? We're uh-huh. not. <laughs> Velko, we get it right? Yes,
6: yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely.
2: All right. Sweet. Guys, thank you for joining us. And uh, I'm sure you were listening. Jonathan Dawson did a great job. Heard really, really good things. I've had a little bit of uh, an opportunity, um, especially with Noel. Uh, to uh, check out some of the things that you guys have uh, on social media, and um, I want to kind of jump right in. Tommy, I'm going to let you kind of kick this sucker off, man. You know, I know you were uh, you, since you got the last name right. You know, you you,
1: yeah. you, you should you should I get ask, the honors. You get the honors. Yep, I appreciate that. Thank you. Welcome. Um, and this this uh, let's go ahead and jump into it with Velco now. Let me ask you um, this, Mr. Velco. Pleasure to meet you. What um what would you say in your opinion makes a sa- a top sales producer
6: simple? Hmm. Well. Pleasure to meet you as well, gentlemen, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I also want to take uh, the opportunity to thank Jonathan Dolson for uh, for getting this uh, together. Uh, top producer, uh, it's, a lot of things make a salesperson a top producer, but uh, the most important thing that I, I believe uh, a salesperson must possess is they have to love what they do. They also uh, have to have a clear understanding of what they want, and they have to be uh, committed to uh, reaching their goals. But... Uh, the essential part that a lot of salespeople are missing is that there's always a problem, and and we always have solutions for problems. So looking for the problem should be the number one goal for every salesperson. And um, my uh, my brand is is the professional problem solver because I really committed, uh, and and my career was focused on on finding as many problems as possible and and uh, demonstrating a solution to my to my clients. So. All these things plus massive action will uh, will be essential for uh, creating a top user.
2: Okay, and, uh, and 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 let me go to you know uh, young salespeople. I mean, you know, this is an industry where we you know we do this not because we want to you know, uh, because we want to see this industry continue to grow and go and so forth. And we're in love with this industry, as I'm sure you guys are. And so looking into the auto industry, we want to pour into the next generation of salespeople. Noel, in your opinion, what would you recommend? I mean, we're looking at young salespeople in, in an era where it's not on the top of someone's mind that, hey, I want to get a job in the car business. Let's say they do. What do you recommend for young salespeople starting out in the, uh, in the genre of training? What, what is the most important thing? that uh, Noel Walsh can say to a young salesperson?
3: Yeah, I see so many young sales salespeople come into this business, and they, you know, they get frustrated, they have a big month, and they have some slow months, uh, some of the politics, the long hours, just the things that we deal with, the customers. So a lot of them quit. What I would recommend for young salespeople is find a store where you feel comfortable. A brand that you like, like Velco said, you have to be passionate about what you're selling. So a brand that you like a store where you feel comfortable, and just watch what big dogs do. Just follow the top producers, listen to your managers, and just talk to as many customers as you can and create a customer satisfaction experience that they won't won't ever second guess or want to go look for another one. But it's just getting your feet planted, following what the big people do, invest in yourself, and just talk to as many people as you can.
2: And, in, in, you know, B, BDC right now, good answer, Noel. BDC right now, Anthony, you know, it's obviously hot. You know, we have uh, on this show... Um, you know, with Alan Ram, you know, we had Sean B. Bradley. These guys started a debate a couple years ago that's kind of morphed into uh, multiple BDC boardrooms, at digital dealer. You know, BDC, is it cradle to grave? It, is there, a, you know, is it, is it salespeople, you know, taking it all the way? Or do you have to have these two layers and, you know, tomato, tomato, what do I need to do? Which one's right for me? Um, manufacturers breathing down dealerships next. You know, so it's a hot topic. You know, in your opinion, you're a big BDC trainer and you, you have a passion for that. What are the three keys to running a successful BDC, according to you, Anthony? Well, uh,
0: first and foremost, nice to meet you, my friend. And I want to say thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. Um, I think the three things that you want to be really key on, number one, is a process. Um, You have to have a process in place. We we, we want to realize that uh, an internet lead is usually about a forty-five to 90-day opportunity. And most dealerships only maximize leads that close within the first week or so. So you want to make sure that you have the proper process in place. Um, number two, you want to lead by example. So if I'm a business development manager, I don't want to just point off my work to my, uh, my representatives. I want to lead by example, meaning I better know all the scripting. I better know all the rebuttals. I better be tracking certain metrics. Um, I better be taking POs and proactively engaging clients myself. And number three is the accountability factor, which is probably the biggest factor that Jonathan touched on. You know, going into dealerships, it's easy to get people pumped up and motivated and inspired and teach them the process. But when I leave the dealership, it's the biggest question. Are they going to continue to do the work? And like you said, even for the experts that are out there, um, is training relevant? Well, you know, a good example is football, Peyton Manning. You know, he's, a, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He doesn't, he doesn't forget how to throw footballs, but he goes out there and throws footballs every day in practice. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, the accountability factor can be really key at the end of the day.
2: And before Tommy jumps in, i mean, just piggyback. You said something. So it just leads me into a question. I think it would make sense to you, Anthony, staying there. The biggest challenge you mentioned process. What's the biggest challenge when installing a process and training a BDC? I mean, salespeople don't like process. They have to have process, but they don't like it by nature. You know, we're typically, you know, flying by the seat of our pants in many ways. So what's the biggest challenge? Is that it?
0: I'm glad you asked that question. Actually, it is. Um, when I go into dealerships, I think the biggest challenge I see is bridging the gap between the BDC and the sales team. Mm-hmm. Because the BDC kind of determines on how the customer is going to come in, how they're going to come into your dealership. Are they going to come in happy and open-minded, or are they going to come in fearful and full of anxiety? And then the sales team is going to you know, uh, determine how they leave. Are they going to leave happy and, and, and satisfied or angry and frustrated? So we want to make sure that when we tell these people in the virtual showroom, where they spend 40 to 5 to 90 days in your virtual showroom, that when they get to the dealership, to the brick and mortar, that we're going to perpetuate the same message that we said in the virtual showroom.
2: Well said.
1: Yes, sir. The yeah, yeah. process
2: Process is not something, you know, that we like. <laughs> you not know, it's, at all. <laughs> it's a necessary evil, but I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know about you, but if I'm left by myself, I'm like – Bam. And then I'm like, what did I just shoot at? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a fire ready kind of guy, you know, by nature. And that's gotten me a lot of money, but it's also got me a lot of headache. So process is 100%. necessary.
1: Yeah, and I think as salespeople, too, we're, we're um, guilty of making mistakes. And I think in this question, will go back to, to Velco. Um, you know, like I said, sometimes it's, it's a training thing. Sometimes it's just literally forgetting what we've learned and getting back to the basics and so forth. But mm-hmm. Velco, what do you think are the most common mistakes that salespeople in general make? It's good.
6: Uh, you know that uh, it's it's great that you're asking this question. It's a phenomenal question because uh, I tend to find the same mistakes in every dealership with the majority of the salespeople. And before I start my session, I always ask one question: um, Do you believe that because we deal with different people every day, we should have different process with each client that we work with? And the majority of salespeople are answering yes. And this is the the part that uh, they get confused, and I want to continue on, on what Anthony started because process is uh, is vital for me, and I know that uh, that process was uh, my strong process was uh, the key for uh, for my success in my career, and uh, just uh, being able to realize that the process that uh, uh, we design or, or the process that that's designed by our management team uh, is designed to make us more. To, to make our uh, uh, sales cycle easier, more efficient, and uh, create that remarkable experience. And many salespeople are just uh, just uh, confused with that. Uh, the other thing that I find as a, as a major mistake uh, in many dealerships, just like Jonathan touched on that, uh, a lot of dealerships are dealing with uh, uh, customers and using word tracks from, from 30 years ago that are well-known to to the customer. A lot of dealerships uh, promote uh, uh, selling uh, through through uh, commitment. So uh, as soon as the the salesperson gets a commitment, they they stop selling. Uh, and um, the, the the confusion comes from from the fact that uh, instead of building value on the lot, the the most common close is if the number works right, if the numbers work fine, are you ready to buy the vehicle? So we're always bringing the customer to to uh, money oriented. Uh, Customer, and then we're wondering why we're not making uh, a lot of money, and why every deal is a mini deal. So, this is uh, this is the the main confusion that the process is designed to uh, to create that remarkable experience for the
2: customer. I mean, let me ask you, the Velcro. You know, uh, the is it, it you? You're a gross guy. Obviously, what you're saying, you're not saying, you're not advocating for making less profit. You're saying that if these measures are taken, that there's larger grosses in store for dealers today. Did I, I hear you right? Absolutely. Okay. So gross yeah, is a good. I mean, gross is a good word. You guys are all about. I mean, so I mean, I hear you guys, and so we're talking about word tracks. Uh, you know, mention word tracks, old word tracks, things that customers are familiar with. You know, um, uh, you know, and, and, and not evolving and changing. And and Noel, let me kind of bring that to you. I mean, you, you're passionate about this industry. Would that be a fair assumption, Noel?
3: Absolutely. I love the car business.
2: Okay, so you're you love the car business. It's it's not only how you make a living, but it's also something that you love and you're passionate about. So, what do you want to see if 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 Noah Walsh gets his way? What do you want to see in the retail auto industry? What needs to happen in your opinion?
6: What I think needs to
3: happen in this industry is they need to recruit high-end talent. Mhm. You know, maybe go after uh, go after college students graduating. There's a lot of people I know out there that graduate college and they work at Starbucks and live in their mom's basement. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a four-, six-, eight-year degree. Um, I think they should recruit salespeople. Obviously, training right from the beginning is important, and training them and hammering down those processes that it instead of it becoming a process that you have to do, it becomes a way of life. Mm. It becomes what you do when you walk in the dealership. Um, the industry has a lot of opportunity for a good living. And really, if you play your cards right, you can get to the point where you don't have to work those sixty hours a week. Because when you're there you're selling and when you're off you're enjoying life. I think most owners want that. They want a happy staff that produces. Uh my story right now, I actually live in Saint George, Utah. Mm-hmm. my wife and kids. I still work at Varsity Ford in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I take the first two weeks of the month off, building Some my brand my business. <laughs> It is. It is. Yeah, I probably got the longest time. God forbid there's
2: uh, any traffic there, huh?
1: Right. (laughs) I'll be late. Um, A day. A day late. (laughs)
2: Right.
3: Um, But I'm still able to maintain 80% of my business Mm -hmm. because of the processes I have, the way I've treated them, the relationship I've built, and I also did a lot of that through leasing, which... Leasing's coming back around, and in my area, it's huge. I don't know why it's not as big in other areas. Leasing is the number one most
6: effective way to retain business.
2: Gentlemen, we're gonna do. We're out of time, but I'm gonna do a quick lightning round here. If you can give me an answer in 30 seconds, I'm going I got a question for each of you. And uh, Tommy, you could ask maybe the. Uh, you, you can get Noel. Okay, we're start with Anthony. Noel. Anthony, which do you prefer, virtual training on demand or live training in person?
0: I actually prefer both. I actually, um, I've only been in the business for about four and a half years now. And I depended on a lot of virtual training myself. I mean, I surrounded myself with videos from Grant Cardone, Alan Dickey, Jonathan Dawson, Elise Kephart. I, I wanted to learn from everyone there to put more tools in my tool belt. So I definitely believe in the virtual training. However, there's only a certain amount of people that actually take advantage of that virtual training, um, you know, so the proactive people. And I definitely believe in on-site training because that's actually what I specialize in because you get to use your body language and you get to build a relationship. Um, in my process, I really believe in building the people up and if you build the people up, they're going to build your business up. So it's a cause and effect system.
1: Okay, sweet. No, what do you attribute your residual business to the uh, the repeat business, referrals? What do you what do you attribute that to?
3: I uh, would say most of that comes from first off having having them in a lease, um, keeping in contact with them four to six times a year, whether it's birthday cards, Christmas cards. Of course, you're going to have the the spam generated emails that get sent out. Uh, when I see them in service, spend the time with them. But basically, I've built a relationship to where they trust me. They know I take care of business. They know I take all the pain out of the deal. And they know overall I'm not the cheapest price, but I'm the best value.
2: Good. All right, Velco, um, your 30-second lightning round question here. This, this and this, this is a big question. I'm not really sure how to answer this. But why do you think that some salespeople change and others don't? <laughs>
6: Well, I believe that there's there's two types of salespeople. Uh, there's there's the people that are the salespeople that are in their comfort zone, and, and you can see them in every dealership that's been in the business for 10, 15 years, and they have the same results, and they meet the same objections every day, and they and they just uh, take them as as a normal thing. And there's the progressive salespeople who don't like objections and who are always looking for ways to overcome the objections or to eliminate them in the beginning of the process. So. uh uh, the people that are that are constantly looking for ways to improve and looking for relevant ways to uh, deliver massive value to their customers or progressive salespeople uh and uh and they will survive in the business but what makes some people successful is the desire that comes from uh from from inside and uh the persistence that uh, they follow their their goals and their missions and and the knowledge the constant knowledge and the uh desire for uh for just becoming
4: experts.
2: Well said, so. gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to get you guys back on the show. I know it was a quick panel, but uh, we want to thank the three of you guys for stopping by and uh, look forward to seeing more of your fresh faces in the industry and uh, hopefully meeting you guys very soon.
3: My can, pleasure. Thanks for having yes.
2: us. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Hey, we're going to jump right in, Tommy. The next up, we're going to go because it's on fire. And Listen, don't go anywhere. We're not going anywhere now, but don't go anywhere. We have a third panel, and the debate is on. We're going to go a little over today, but it's going to be worth it. We've got Shaka Dyson. We've got Tony D, Candace Crane, Frank Lopes, and Jim DeLuca. We're going we're gonna to debate, Tommy. We're going to discuss, and we're going to have multiple vantage points and viewpoints of eliminating the box or not. To box?
1: Or not to box. That is the question. Let's say it again. To box? Or not to box in Elizabethan English.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, Arnold, this is for you. Train, train, train. Training, training. Here's the deal, man. Alan Ram is on fire. You can't touch him because you freaking burn yourself. Watch this. The next up. Ram on fire.
4: Hello everyone, I'm Alan Ram, President and Founder of Alan Ramp's Proactive Training Solutions and here's what's got me fired up today. Leaders that don't necessarily lead. I'm a believer that people want to be led. People want and need structure in their daily lives whether they admit to it or not. Let's talk about the concept of buy-in. I'm going to explain this from my perspective as someone who trains on the telephone, management and conversion. We talk to a lot of great dealers every day. We also talk to plenty of dealers that have never effectively trained anyone on anything nor held anyone accountable for performance. These are always the dealers that want to get a consensus from their staff and buy-in from the management team. Buy-in. Before you send your kids off to school, do the teachers actually come to the house and get buy-in from the kids or do you make the decision that they're gonna go to school? When I was in the Marine Corps, I don't remember my platoon commander sitting us down to get buy-in. He made the decision, and then it was our job to execute on it. In most cases, the managers that these dealers want to get buy-in from have never been trained themselves nor held their team accountable for anything. If they had something better, they probably should have executed on it by now, don't you think? You haven't trained your people or really held them accountable for nine years and now you want to get them to agree that they need training and accountability. That's ridiculous. If you're in a leadership position, don't be afraid to make a good decision. Here's something else that makes me crazy. Dealers and general managers that snivel, well, what if I can't get my people to do it? Well, what if your kids decided they didn't want to go to school? Would you be okay with that? What if firefighters decided they no longer wanted to train, or pilots decided that training was optional at Southwest Airlines? Would that be okay? Of course not. Why are things that are obvious and required in just about every other business or undertaking in this country seen as optional at so many car dealerships? Do you think Bill Belichick waits for buy-in from his assistant coaches and players? Leaders lead. It's okay to have discussion amongst your management team, but at the end of the day, someone needs to make a good decision. The best organizations move with speed and purpose. Remember that. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest.
1: We're back. We are back, David Villa. Yes, we are, Tommy Elwell. The, um, you know, the next up is the eliminate the box panel.
6: It's you. It! Oh,
1: <laughs> a... You just yes. knocked the box. You knocked Batman over with the box. Hey, but guess what I did? What's that? I eliminated the box.
2: You eliminated the box. Well, it's here's done. the question: Do you agree that we should eliminate the box? And we have Candace Crane, Tony D, Jim DeLuca, Frank Lopes, and Shaka. Shaka Khan, Shaka Shaka Dyson, and Shaka is on audio. We're working on skyping him in, gentlemen and lady. We want to thank you for joining us. And uh, this panel grew; it grew because you know what? We have experts in this industry that would want to weigh in. Thanks for joining us. How are you all doing today?
3: Doing wonderful, Dave.
2: I love that part. I love the part when everybody says I'm doing wonderful at the same time. I love it because we say I love it. It's my favorite part when we go, "Hey, how you doing?" and everybody goes. Some sort of, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's like it's melting well,
1: pot. I'm having kind of a rough day. I <laughs> so, my toe on the way into work.
2: I want to jump right in, guys. Can, actually, I'm going to start with Candace. Candace, it was uh, interesting when we reached out initially for this panel and um, it was uh, discussing the topic. You know, you had mentioned that you and Jim. And, Jim, I know that you just uh, uh, posted an article or a blog on, um, on LinkedIn that, uh, that, I, that I read um, talking about should we eliminate the box. And I know, Candice, you and Jim had a discussion at Digital Dealers, so this really just came all together. And I, I want to start with you, Candice. What's, what's, what's made you passionate about this topic and really what we're going to do, if you guys are okay with it, because you're the experts here, and I want to give you as much time as possible. I'm, we're going to just kind of start this off, and we're going to let you guys kind of do a hand raise type deal, and just weigh in. And we'll just let you have this show um, with us doing some moderation, if that's okay. Candace, why are you so passionate about this topic?
5: I'm passionate because I've seen it work. I was the organizational development director at a pretty large group in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and we rolled this out. We rolled out this initiative in 2010 um, as a result of not finding enough people to um, hire as salespeople, really. It started as a recruiting initiative, and we wanted to restructure the type of person we were going to hire. We decided to go after recent college grads, and as we were looking at what it was going to cost to pay them and how we could keep the hours limited to closer to 40 and define a career path, we recognized that F&I was continuing to be an issue in the sense that it was co- the program was costing a lot to have F&I managers. It was really expensive. We could use that money elsewhere, and we um, just began discussion around how do we eliminate that and create a better customer experience, and, and we did. And the results have been um, fantastic over the course of the last five years. I know this model works, and, and I guess that's why I'm passionate about it.
2: Uh, Jim, I'm going to ask you the same question and, and kind of just weigh in on your and Candace's conversation and what uh, prompted you to write this article regarding your experience here with uh, Sonic and so forth.
3: Well, I've been a F and I trainer for about 16 or 17 years, and I also do a lot of sales training. And what prompted me to look at this model was a my fascination with Sonic, and b the pay inequity between F and I managers. And the salespeople that they rely upon to generate their huge incomes. Mm -hmm. And that's what prompted me to hop into my car and um, drive down to town and country and uh, phantom shop them. And further to that, if we look at the word box itself, Mm -hmm. does anybody know where that comes from? Chuck Norris movie. No, it actually (laughs) comes from the cattle industry where you take your beef cattle and they go into the chute. At the end of the chute is a box. And that's where they shoot them in the head with a compressed air cannon and kill them. And in the early 70s, when F&I started to become popular, that was the model that we had called shoot and box. And quite frankly, in my experience, it hasn't changed that much. So I think the industry is due for a change. I think, you know, we often talk about the millennials, and I'm firmly convinced that they are not going to tolerate this process, in large part because it's sprung upon them, and they don't have that opportunity to self-educate the way consumers do, on every other aspect of the automotive purchasing process,
2: I'm going to jump to you, Sean. So I, I can't. You came on the screen. Uh, you've been on the phone with us. So I know you've heard, but I can't tell if uh, if I can't tell by your expression. You know. Um, so I want to ask you: Will this model work, in your opinion? I mean, you're you're all over the place training here. You have a vast experience in in the F and I. Um, what's your thought process on this on this movement and um, of 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 the elimination of the uh, of the cattle shoot, <laughs> that's pretty interesting story. Head, that does sound pretty bad. Yeah, but uh, okay. what, what's your opinion, Shaka?
3: So you mean elimination of, uh, of the ethanol together, or what is that, or exactly? What part,
6: part
2: of it? I got a little feedback um, on on there, and so let me ask you this: I mean, Jim, I know, and I know, Tony, you're you're a fan of a hybrid, and and again, I'm going to let you guys kind of you know kind of talk this out. But Jim, I don't know if you could hear Shaka, but his question was before he answers: it, elimination. Of the FNI department altogether, or you know, clarify, I guess, so he he, he, could, uh, he can give a yeah. Comment.
3: So 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 here's the thing. I, I don't personally believe that. So if you, you got have, your
2: speakers up, I don't know if you have a speaker up on your phone, but it's, it's feedback. Can you hear me through Skype? There, me there you go. That was better, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah. yeah, that was better. Okay, go ahead.
3: Perfect. There you go. You can hear me now. Yes, sir. All right. Perfect. All right. So so here here's, hey, hey, here here's the thing. I don't.
6: Yeah, it's. See, I yeah. think Tony's got his speakers on.
3: I got my speak. In fact, I, I'm text messaging Shaka right now with instructions. So hopefully, you got those, Shaka. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. Now we got you. <laughs> there's,
5: a, yeah, there's, a, there's an echo. I only have one speaker,
2: rocket. So I
3: apologize.
2: No, nope, you're good. You're good now.
6: Okay, I don't believe.
2: And we lost. Him. We lost his audio, and we'll come right back to him in a second. Mike, you see if we can work on that. Tony, let me have you weigh on it in on it first, and and, and uh, give give your vantage point because I know you're a fan of, the, of of a hybrid approach here. I mean, I know this is a big discussion because I mean it's all over the place. I'm mean, I'm sure at digital dealer next month it's going to be something that's that's a topic talked about. I mean, why is it so hot of a topic right now? And, and kind of weigh in, um, you know, on on uh, both sides, I guess, and give maybe a different vantage point, Tony.
3: Uh, I'm glad that everybody's somewhat come to the party on this one. Uh, I got involved with a dealer group that wanted to do something different and started doing this and implementing and and really pioneering some hybrid-type processes back in uh, uh, 2009, uh, six years ago or so now. And it's just something that I've seen work very, very well. But the first thing that I'll tell any dealer looking at doing something different, it's not for every dealer. It's not for every franchise. And and I know that some of the publics are trying to roll this out nationwide across the board, and they're going to struggle with it for quite some time on the internal processes. Um, and, and over, uh, again, a six-year period, I developed processes, wording, how to utilize different technology pieces to run this type of process. And even something that we're, we're rolling out for 2016 here at the Academy of Service Group is being able to offer this type of process. But the first thing that we're going to do is talk to the dealer of what their primary goal is. If they're trying to increase F&I profitability, they may be able to do it with a hybrid-type process. But it's the dealers who want to do something different. They want to give the customer a better experience in their purchase. Will it run very good profitability and good F&I numbers? Absolutely. But in the models that I have personally worked with and have seen great success with, it does not eliminate the business office, but it does change the functions as a business manager and what what they actually do. So it's not eliminating out the position, by all means. I am not a fan of that because there's still a necessity to have that individual. They just have different duties. Well, and we have okay, I- some great things going on with uh, – we've been rolling this into some power sport dealerships, and it is beautiful – for power sports and the right Franchises and even independent used car lots, where there's great success with this type of model.
2: Twitter's coming. So I want to, I want to before can you I real, jump quick, in here Cand- real quick, Candace. Yeah, but real quick before you do, let's just read something for Twitter here and let you guys just kind of continue to comment yeah, on it. Yeah,
1: there was it. a tweet just came through. It says, "Yeah, let's eliminate one of the biggest uh, profit centers." Said no smart car
2: person. Okay. That's Kevin Campbell <laughs> with the San- Kevin Campbell with the Sandy Sanding Group. So basically, Kevin's yeah. throwing sarcasm out there, saying, "Hey, let's eliminate one of the biggest profit centers." Candace, it, it, it's or true. Shopping? Yeah, ahead,
5: so John. here so so let me just I just wanted to give some facts here about a, Shaka, a group we'll that has done this. Yes, I just wanted to provide some facts because I, I understand that this is a, a, a very hot topic and polarizing, everyone's gonna have an opinion on it. But here's the facts of the group that, that I was at. Um this month, a recent college grad who was hired in 2011, um, worked for Land Lakes prior to coming into the automotive industry, no prior sales experience, was put through their training program, learned how to do F&I out of the gate. So this is somebody who is, this is a, 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 a one-person selling model. Sold 64 and a half cars in August with a $1,500 PDR. 64 and a half cars in one month, a recent college grad who, number one, wouldn't even have even been attracted to this industry had it not been for the complexity of the role, um, and number two, could never have sold 64 and a half cars in one month had it not been for the efficiency of this model. So not only is this model, um, you know, attractive to people, to, to candidates, it's attractive to our customers, and it's a lot more cost effective. That particular store is paying $146 a car in management, in management costs um, combined total with management and sales, $527 a car. That's a fraction of what a, a similar store is paying in personnel costs on a traditional model. Shaka. So, you know, facts, opinions aside,
2: there are facts that, that prove this model can work, and it's very cost-effective. Well, Shaka, Candace is saying in, 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 you know that the model can work, and she's got a case study there where it's working and, and you know, very successfully for someone or some group and, and others specifically. But, you know, what about what Kevin says with Sandy Santing? You know, I mean, and this is obviously, you know, controversial. Uh, weigh in on it, Shaka Dyson.
3: So here's the thing. Uh, in reality, I, I don't see it as controversial. I see it as uh, as a matter of fact. And here's why. Because the, the, the F&I department is the most profitable square footage in the dealership, period, hands down. And it's the Absolutely. the most convoluted uh, okay. department in the dealership, which means that typically a great F&I manager typically will become the strongest manager in a store. I want you to think about something for a second. In a dealership setting, for those of us who work in a dealership, in a dealership setting, if, if in one day every sales manager got up and walked completely out the door in one instant, any F&I manager or all the F&I managers could get up out of their office, go up to the desk, and rock the desk, and business will
6: continue as usual.
3: However, if every F&I manager got up and walked out of the dealership, every front desk manager couldn't go to S&I and continue business as usual so I could never see uh, a dealership uh, or the automotive business getting rid of S&I completely now I do agree that it has to be more efficient you know the days of old where you spend eight hours working a deal out front and then another two or three hours in the back uh completing the paperwork those days are gone I completely agree with that but uh You know, uh, as far as getting rid of it completely, I I can't foresee that, and I don't care how many case studies there are out there. Uh, We could all throw statistics and case studies out there, but I could never see it.
1: Frank, uh, I don't
3: believe that um, anybody's talking about eliminating it. We're just talking about, and you've identified a fundamental problem, if that F&I manager leaves, the whole place falls apart. I myself was a freelance F&I manager where I would go in and fill in for those people that did leave, and by having everybody that's in a position to fulfill that role, the dealer's no longer held hostage and the wheels don't fall off the business in the Agreed. event that, that person leaves, which Agreed. happens so often. Agreed. So we're I'm talking, talking about empowering the salespeople to offer the products as part of their features and benefits presentation and to give them the opportunity to earn that extra income, which will ultimately lower turnover dramatically. My understanding from talking to Sonic is that they've had zero employee turnover since they implemented uh, their process. Uh, so there's another well, 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 here, positive well, aspect this, well, of it. Yeah, yeah. And I love that positive aspect. But as big as Sonic is, there's no way that you could have talked to every store. The person that you talked to could have known, couldn't have known about every employee in every store. So uh, he couldn't have been a hundred percent correct.
6: Would, would be my assumption, anyway?
2: Well, th- okay, th- th- let-, let-, well let me in. bring this. Let me bring this up regarding lo- reading your reading your article here. Sonic describes this revolutionary move as a customer-centric sales process. Uh, Candice, Frank, I'll throw this on on you. Candice, um, the speedy offers transparent, no negotiation, low pricing. I guess my question is this. I mean you know there seems to be and it's almost like politics you know if you watch you know you, you know right versus the left and things like that it seems like there's this these two sides in the auto business with transparency versus you know gross it always seems to try to attack that aren't we again cutting into a profit source if if we get so quote unquote transparent or what they're calling transparent you know and and people often quote and i'm asking this and i'm kind of leading as well Candace but you know people always say uh you know, uh, you know, we need to be transparent, and, and you know, we need to we need to talk about pricing and let them know, and so forth. Well, you know, Walmart, you know, um, makes profit. You know, I mean, do you really want to know how much money they make? I don't. You know, but they do. You know, I, I guess my point is, is that are we cutting into? And I'm asking this question: Are we cutting into Candice by doing that? Are we cutting into a profit source, and and altogether attacking gross? Is is there any part of that, that that's that's happening with this move, Candice?
5: In my opinion, no. You're lowering expenses. You're you're able to redistribute that that cost, which is extremely significant, given to a very small percentage of people. Reallocate it back to operations where you can now have more people on the sales floor, more people taking care of your customers, and empowering them, um, like Frank said, to do the deal from start to finish. I mean, yes, it's going to require an investment in training and development. You, you certainly have to get everybody. Uh, able and 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 qualified to be able to um, you know to, to to close the deal and to and to complete the finance paperwork. But um, if you can teach them how to sell a car, why can't you teach them how to finance it as well? I mean. The, you, know, you hold people accountable, you, you change the measurables, and, and yes, you certainly can expect the same outcome, lowering the cost and still having more people on the sales floor, reducing your hours, having a much better culture, and a much happier um, uh, set of customers that can get out the door a lot faster not having to sit around wait, waiting for the F&I manager to become available.
3: Hmm. You know, when, you bring up, when you bring up profitability, a lot of the profitability has to do with being able to secure the right loans. And that is why in the model that, that we work with, that we implemented to dealerships, is it doesn't eliminate the business manager, but it does change their functionality. And it makes them more of a director where we have a single point of contact for our relationships with our finance companies. And if anybody is going to kid themselves that having a relationship between the dealership, uh, a finance director, a business manager, and the finance company, they're, 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 they're kidding themselves. Because no, you're, we're speak, no, we're
5: speaking the same way. It's, it's centralization. Okay. We're speaking the same language. It's all about centralization. Uh, so if you uh, centralize uh, the, the administrative uh, piece...
2: Let me throw it's, this it's, yes. Let me throw this out there, and Frank, I'll let you weigh in too, and you guys can tear this apart. Uh, uh, Cliff Banks, Banks Report, tweeted out, AutoNation has an F&I Ninja team that saves 40% of the deals its stores can't get financed. He said it takes skills. So, I mean, you know, Frank, weigh in on this, and... and uh, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm I'm just kind of thinking like, I mean, this you're talking about a rehaul. So I mean, I'm going back to what Shaka Shaka said said, you know, really, I mean, this is this is not going to work for anybody, everybody, because now you're talking about, man, you know, we can't get dealers to train salespeople. Now we're going to talk about hiring someone that's responsible with the with the with the competency level to, to to take it all the way through, deal with banks, deal with lending, right? I mean, is this a total rehaul that some dealers? I mean, literally, you know. Aren't up for that task, Frank? Weigh in on that, and then I'll let you guys all just uh, take that apart.
3: Hey, after I don't want to. Please let me weigh in on that after Frank. <laughs> <part. laughs> sure. it, we'll, Don't worry, you'll you will definitely weigh in. We all know that. That's question. <laughs> I think the uh, wow. You know, I wow. think what you said is a is a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent true. Um, you know, dealers are uh, the whole time. I'm writing notes during this, and the big thing that I wrote, you just said it. Um, you just said it just now was training. The amount of training that's, that would be uh, that would be required, you got to have to train. Think about if you have a store with twenty five to thirty salespeople. You know, you're going to have to train thirty people on you know on F and I procedures. Have to how to sell after sale, How to you know how to go through the, yes, how to go through menu selling and everything to sell, to train. You can't train thirty people to sell a car the right way. You can't train 30 people to do a walk-around Yes, you can, you can build yes, a model can. that can do that.
5: Yes, I'm not you can. Saying that, yes, now,
3: you can. I'm not saying that it, you know, I, I should actually rephrase that and say it's really hard. And Kevin, the tweet that Kevin let out before, he's 100% right. You're going to eliminate the biggest profit center that's in the dealership. Most dealers will not go and put the risk out to go and to, and to do that. Now, I know that there are a lot of dealers out there that the salespeople go front to back and do their own, you know, and do their own F and I, and do their own after sale. My own son works at one of them, and he's very successful at it. But at the store, at the Hyundai store that's right next to where he works, that would never work. And it wouldn't work because the dealer would not go through the pain process of actually training everybody to go front to back. But I do yeah, think that. I, I do think that down the road. When this topic becomes uh, you know, a part of hindsight, as we all know, hindsight's 20-20, mm-hmm. we're, I think we're going to see that there's going to be a hybrid version, and just what the Order nation, the, the, the thing about, about a crane out of Order nation is probably going to be right, where there's going to be one ninja person in every store who's really going to be like, so to say, an F&I director, who would handle, or who would oversee, and who would train, and then when a guy can't get bought, you know, when a customer can't get bought, and the front to back salesperson can't get it done. You know, the ninja's going to have to come in and get on the phone with the underwriter and get the guy bought.
2: I'm not trying to be old school here. I mean, I'm a salesperson. I'm a shock. I'm going to direct this right to you, but and I and I, I guess you guys know my opinion. I don't really have a dog in the hunt, so to speak, except for the fact that I wouldn't sell as good as I sell if if the if the reward wasn't as great on the other end. So, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just thinking from the standpoint of commission i'm thinking of the standpoint of if if someone's going to try hard you know there's got to be a reward at the end of it are we are we eliminating some of the best mentors are we eliminating you know uh, uh, you know are we eliminating the the motivation so to speak shaka that you know of of some of the money the dealer's making are we shooting ourselves so to speak in the foot and i guess that's really the the question here what what say you
3: well, well. Here's the thing. You know, as far as salespeople are concerned, obviously, if they did, they'd they'd have to get that. They'd have to get paid on the front back. But here's the thing. You know, I just left a 34 dealer auto group four weeks ago, where I was in charge of 34 F and I departments. I had over 65 finance managers at this at the Napleton Automotive Group. Now. There is zero chance that we'd be able to, in 34 stores, we had about 500 salespeople. There's zero chance that we, I'd be able to duplicate my 65 F&I managers, their, their skill set, their talent set, what they've learned, their education, what they know, their processes in f 9 There's zero chance, like Quay said, that I'd be able to duplicate that 500 times among 34 stores. And here, let me let me Never tell you Shaka, another. That's, right? that's not Never. true. Sure. hang, on, hang, on, hang on. Not? Come
6: on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let me say
3: it. And, and 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 here's a fact. A fact is is that last year we bought two dealerships in Orlando that are now Napleton Volkswagen, who previously were not Napleton Volkswagen. Both of them are in Orlando. Both of them competed with the the two Van Kyle stores down there in Orlando. And before we bought them, their process was they had no F and I department. The sales department did it from front to back. They sold the car, they presented the product, they delivered the car. That was their process, and guess what? They had no S and i revenue. That's why we were able to go in there, purchase both dealerships. Those two dealerships didn't compete with the Van Tyle stores down in Orlando, Florida. However, now, now that I've got a team of 5 S F&I managers in there trained to do F&I, focused on F&I, fake relationships back in F&I, and that's what they do every single day. You can call the Van Powell stores, or you can call Preston Stewart down there and ask him if those two Van Powell stores, uh, the two Volkswagen stores from Naples now compete with the Van powell stores. So here's the thing. Here's the solution. The solution is like Price and I think everybody else on the call is saying, it's about efficiency. You've got to get faster because speed is power. It's about efficiency. Mm-hmm. You get better, you get greater, and speed is power, but you cannot
5: eliminate the F&I department.
3: If, I,
5: I will put it but mean, you, I you can be much more efficient with more people to check out the customer. That's the way to be I, more I, efficient. Hey, dare, I have I I more people I to I, I, have I, this. Dare I, I, I The finance department has a specific skill set. Can I, hey, Shaka. So somebody, somebody, hey,
3: somebody that doesn't know, somebody that <laughs> believes that you can eliminate the F&I department completely and give that to the show floor does not know exactly everything that the financial
2: department G- does Jim Jim do I dare do I dare peel the Band-Aid off and say what what do you got to say about subprime let's throw that in the mix I mean I mean we can't oh. get some finance managers to get, to chase tips around and to, and, to, and to go after that business because they're you know they don't understand how to do it it's a total different skill set I mean what do you do what do you do with that with this model Candace, Jim that's my question because and the reason I ask that is we work with several hundred dealers and I'd say eighty percent of what we do with them is subprime driven I mean I can tell you that that's a another beast all to itself Jim
3: it, n- nobody's saying to eliminate the F and I department mm-hmm. and in the model that I'm advocating they have F&I managers that work the dealer at the dealership, but they're desking the salespeople as opposed to working with the customers. So they're getting the, the deals bought. They're handling all the financial transaction. It's just the sales guys handling the front-end sales component. And on average, <clears throat> they're making $70,000 a year as opposed to making the traditional $40,000 a year that sales consultants make. So it eliminates turnover. It's a better consumer experience. Uh, Just to use Town of Country Toyota as an example, uh, when they implemented the process, they went from number five in their dealer group to number one. So they're generating revenue on the front end, and their F&I numbers went from $640 a car, which I admit wasn't great, but they're now consistently over $1,000 a car using this model. Mm -hmm. They've gone from 167 cars per month to over 225 cars per month. So they're making more money, and their F&I penetration is better than ever, and they've got a bunch of high-priced guys, guys, very talented, that are handling the financial transaction and handling the subprime. They've not got a different role. I think a lot of this has to do really with the type of store that we're talking about and the size of the store as well. I mean, if you're talking about a Highline store, number one, the best thing that you could do for a customer from a customer standpoint, the best thing you could do is eliminate the box, especially the Highline store, because the customer does not want to go in the box. It's the last thing they want to do. They want to be in and out as fast as possible. And I think if you have a Highline store and if you have a smaller sales staff, maybe this is easier to do, because if you're in a Highline store with a small staff, the quality of your salespeople are going to be a lot better. You know, and most. I think everybody will agree with me. Most highline stores that you see that have 10, 12 guys, there's 10, 12 killers in there. Maybe there's one or two weak ones with the are. I got you know, I got to tell, tell, you, tell we, you, we have several highline stores, and we <laughs> had great at night in those highline stores. I wouldn't eliminate the box of those stores at all. Mm. I I could see Shaka just 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 brewing up there, trying to trying to jump in, but there's everybody's got different solutions for the same type of problem. When you start looking at We're just trying to make it a more efficient uh, process. If the salespeople just gave the business office all the correct documentation up front, we would probably shave 15 minutes off the F&I transaction. There you go, Tony. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth. There's one of the big things that that what we've done, uh, that we've started to develop here at Service Group is an actual assessment of the business managers coming in. So we can we, we we found a pattern and a model of by doing a, an assessment. So we know who would is more likely to be a better business manager. So as opposed to putting in the investment into the wrong person, now we can do this. We're going to be rolling this into the hybrid model. But with a hybrid model, we have to start from the beginning. Too many times uh, where there's hybrid and they, they struggle, and again. You start looking exotic. They were they said they. they have just rolled out into all of their stores, I believe, last year. They haven't been able to do it. We have to hire the people from the get-go that this is what they're going to be whether that's a, a college student coming out of school or even a professional automotive salesperson. And we start them from the beginning of this is what they're going to do. They're going to sell the vehicle and offer the F&I products. And, again, it's not eliminating out the business manager, but it does change their, uh, it does change their uh, primary focus inside the dealership. And, again, like what got brought up, when you start getting into subprime or problematic deals, I need people to be able to handle that. I have been blown up on Twitter, Facebook sitting right here, uh, my phone with people who uh, got my number with text messages about this conversation of how do we handle all the different things, and there's been a lot of opinions being thrown out here. And I'd like to say hi to all my friends of the ethical F&I managers who joined us today. But the business manager is not eliminated, but it does shift because there still is a necessity of that person with those skill sets, with the relationships, with the finance companies, but also somebody who can train and mentor those hybrids inside of the store. I keep bringing it up, and I think, Frank, you just brought it up. It's not for every dealership at this time, but there are great places. And when we start looking at so many different companies trying to model it after an Apple store, have you walked into an Apple store recently? You walk in, you get up, you get qualified. What are you here to do? Do you have an appointment? Are you here for service? <clears throat> they point you in the direction. Then they go, oh, I got a guy in a gray suit with a white beard. He's looking at iPads. And all of a sudden they walk over. They go, your name is Jim. Jim hi, Jim. My name is Tony. What can I show you about an iPad? They, uh, the Apple store is operating more like a car dealership than anything else. The biggest difference is one person will complete the transaction. They'll do the repair. They'll sell it to you. They'll swipe their, your, your credit card, and you walk out. Oh, try to pay cash at an Apple store, man. It locks them all up. They can't even make change. So there's still the necessity of the business manager of the dealership, but utilizing a hybrid model, I agree, again, like we saw up in Minnesota, uh, I'm Somewhat familiar with that group, uh, I visited some of their stores uh the 2010, 2011. Right. you talking about yeah, the Walzer Group? Well,
5: Are you talking about the Walzer Group? Yeah, the Walter yeah, Group. Yeah, group I worked at. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was the group I, have, I worked at, correct, yes. I've
3: been to some of your stores and to some of the stores in Colorado. I know they weren't yours, but I've, been, I've visited some of those to develop a hybrid process that can be installed. I'll even say this, we're even seeing some great success of increasing F&I numbers, increasing volume, increasing CSI by having some of our people being hybrids and other people not being hybrids. Yeah. We're seeing great success with that because our traditional salesperson, they may not be good with uh, <clears throat> talking about F&I products, but some of our other people are. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I don't I don't know how much... Very uh, highly successful stores doing that. I don't and know how much... they don't all have to be one price either. I don't know I'm how much Arnold's.
2: Uh, I don't know how much Arnold Tyrion is drink a uh, drink, but he's he just tweeted. I think, I'm reading
3: Arnold. I'm I think the sales people should, right should.
2: I think the sales should detail the cars as well. We said. <laughs> well, so.
3: I, I did get I did get well, at least two messages saying eliminate up the sales manager.
1: Um, uh, geez. Just, well, yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, listen. Um, everyone's very passionate about this. I see there's probably a lot to talk about. We are out of time, but we're going to...
2: it's Christmas. We're, we, I didn't know if you guys realized or not, but we pretty much went through, like, and it's,
1: it's actually... Uh... Yeah, it's actually Christmas Eve now. Yeah. <laughs> so... It, <laughs> hey, can I ask Dad, you this? I go. Can I? Yeah, you
2: guys have been. On, can I ask you guys this seriously? I don't know. I would love to do this, um, and I don't know. I have no idea if uh you guys are going to be at a digital dealer or not. But we've got we're, we've got things going on there. I'd love to do this either again and dedicate Bye. a whole show to it, or do hey. it live if uh, you guys are going to be at uh, digital dealer. We're right there. We've got a little stage put up in the corner, and uh, I'm going to tell you because I think this is a great topic, and. Um, I think this is a great, great discussion. I don't know if you guys could work that out, but if you if you can, we'll get together on it. But either way, like if, would you guys would you guys come back Me and we could dedicate a whole a show on, on this? Would you guys be up for I'll that?
1: Talking it yeah. right now, yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Awesome! Awesome! Shocky. Be happy you in? too. Good. Good. I was too. To say, Shaka looked like he was gonna like bite his uh, a hole through his bottom lip. Oh yeah, so he's he's, I'm he's gonna he I'm glad we it now because I didn't want him to hurt himself. Um, <laughs> should we dare? Hey,
3: you let's let's, hey, let's give. Let's, hey, Shaka, I'm, I'm, looking, what? I'm looking at all the tweets. I'm looking at all the tweets. Oh, there we, yeah,
1: they're flying. Um, well, how about we do this? How about we give like everybody like a like a I don't know, like <laughs> a minute wrap up. Everybody, uh, Shaka, you can start it off. Just a minute wrap up. Obviously, contact information, but uh, just your final thoughts uh-huh. on the subject.
3: Listen. Uh, it's been great. Uh, the people that are on the panel are all great people. Uh, I enjoy uh, all of them. Follow them all on social media. And I want to thank you guys for allowing me to uh, be part of this great panel. Um, you know, I, I, my my point of view always comes from the retail point of view. I don't come from any other standpoint other than uh, in the trenches, working and doing it. I've been part of, and I've been fortunate enough to be. Uh, at the helm of a large automotive group, uh, managing multiple, lots of, lots of veterinary departments at one time. I know what it takes to work. Um, and I know that, uh, efficiency is going to be key. This thing is changing. It's ever changing every single day and every single week. And efficiency is definitely the key. Um, I still believe that you have to have dedicated personnel inside that dealership that's dedicated to that specific department because it's the most uh, it's the most profitable square footage in the dealership. So that's still my point of view. I definitely respect everybody else's point of view though. Thank you guys.
2: Thank you, Frank Lopes
3: yeah every it's very obvious everybody who is involved in this show and everybody who's on this panel today really just wants one thing and they just want success for the automotive industry and automotive dealerships in general so i'm honored to be you know to be in the company of such great people with such great minds who are really looking just to better the experience for customers, which in the end benefits everybody, you know. So uh, I thank everybody for uh, everybody for being here today. Thank you for having me on. it It is absolutely fantastic. And uh, digital dealer twenty live. Let's do it.
2: I've got I, I got a tweet from whoever's dog. <laughs> whoever's <laughs> the dog's dog keeps out. barking. Dog, in, and they, give they said the dog a little time. And that dog said, "Get rid of the box." I don't know. So I'm gonna go with Jim Deluca next. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, First, let me say I'm thrilled to be on this show and honored to be on this panel. And what's driving me on this campaign is to just attract a better quality of person to the job, give them a greater opportunity to earn income, not talking about eliminating the department. I'm just talking about providing a better consumer experience and ultimately, and I firmly believe, more profit for the dealer. I'll be at Digital Dealer 20, and I look forward to the panel. Absolutely. Thanks. Tony D., Hey, I but I can't get over how many uh, different folks are contacting me and blowing me up right now. Uh, but uh, I certainly would look forward to doing a panel uh, or at DD20 uh, on this subject, and maybe we could uh, we could make that one wicked show. Uh, you can follow me at, on uh, Facebook at Tony D. Just hit Tony D D E E uh, in Austin. You can follow me on Twitter at F and I Guy at FI Update. And I'm a big fan of increasing profitability and giving a customer a better experience and going through a hybrid model. I just very recently did an interview uh, where they were asking, what do you think is going to be the transaction and where do you see F&I in five and ten years? And I believe we're going to be going to a single transaction. Is it for every dealership? Is everybody going to do it? No. No. It doesn't eliminate out the business office, but for the right people, it is a great way to go. My contact information, TonyD at com. Is that showing up? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And you can see, uh, you can reach me in my left pocket, 512-542-1669. And I certainly appreciate being on the show. Hey, Shaka, give me some right here, baby. Give me some, Shaka. Uh, beauty
2: uh, beauty. I, I, love, it. Love, yeah, it. I love, love it, we're gonna and, and we didn't do ladies first, but we're gonna give the lady the you last word. I don't know, you don't get twitched. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah no, we're no, gonna no. do Candice. You get the last word
5: Thank you. Really appreciate being on the show. I'm so glad that we got this topic going today. I'm really excited to continue the topic. I will be a Digital Dealer actually speaking on this. I have a seminar titled Creating a good Career Path, Why You Should Rethink F&I. And um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Crane Auto HR, Candace Crane. And um, I'm just trying to change the game one day at a time. So if you're interested in speaking to me about some innovative strategies, reach out. and love to talk to you.
2: Awesome. Great. Guys, thanks for thanks for joining us and uh, for hanging with us a little later today. We look forward to seeing you guys very soon.
5: Thank, Thank you. Guys. What's your presence
3: now? You. Have a great day.
2: You too. That was awesome. That would be, uh, you know, I, uh, if I would have known it was going to be so awesome, I should have known because the individuals that were involved, I would have, um, we would have tried to get this onto another day. We had more time. Um, but I tell you what, it was awesome.
1: I swe- I sweated through my shirt. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, I think when to- a- Tony
2: got shaka uh, started back up again by kind of going back into the, you know, the one, the one I saw smoke begin to come out of his ears again. We would have been here all night because, uh, they would have kept going. They would have
1: that could have that continued much longer than it did. But it was good. It's good debate, man. Mm-hmm. It's obviously pe- some people are passionate about. And mm-hmm. There's questions and more things to bring up. So that'll probably be another good show for another time. It will time be. To it.
2: Um, women that rock auto. Women who rock auto. Next week, you don't want to miss it. We have so many, so much estrogen on the show that uh, you and I. What do you say? We're going to lose it's our hair. Our beards will actually fall off. Our beards, our will, beards fall off. will fall off. Evidently, uh, I didn't know this estrogen um, causes. Uh, no
6: testosterone.
2: Oh, te- okay, is that why some women have beards? Yeah, it is. I think. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, is that why Lewis Is that why Louis can't grow one? Ah,
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, that's an inside hear that joke, Louis Lou? You hear that, yeah. Lewis? Yeah. My hair is looking awesome today. Just it know. does
2: look pretty good. Somebody said you look like Seth Rogen last week.
1: Uh, you know, I don't know how to how to, how to take that. I almost want to. Uh, you look like. Uh, Remember Andre the Giant? Oh, I love the. You know when I was bigger, I used to get. Hey, you remind me Chris Forley. Oh, thank you, the 350-pound comedic actor. It falls down all the time. That's awesome. Thanks for. Thank you. Oh compliment.
2: man. Yes. All right. Well, the next up is a bunch of great shows. 2016, we've got AutoTainment Network launching AutoTainment.net. If you haven't already, um, we got a waiting list that's just piling up. Go to AutoTainmentNetwork.com. Put your email in and. uh, if you haven't seen already, go to Autotainment, uh, Net on Twitter, at AutotainmentNet, and uh, follow us and uh, follow the network and see all the great shows. I think 13, 14 shows on is off the chain. But anyway, thanks, guys, for hanging out a little late for the two or three people I'm sure that are still watching. <laughs>
1: thanks, all right. John and Belly and, Biff, and Becky, Arnold and Arnold. If thanks, he hasn't passed out yet.